Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from The Language of Letting Go by Melody Beatty, and the topic is commitment. As we walk through life, there are many things and people we may lose or lose out on if we are unwilling to commit. We need to make a commitment for relationships to grow beyond the dating stage to have the home or apartment we want, the job we want, or the car we desire. We must commit on deep levels to careers, to goals, to family, friends, and recovery. Trying something will not enable us to succeed. Committing ourselves will. Um, I'm going to pause. This is extraordinarily helpful. And one of the reasons I, I'd like to have accountability to read these things, because, you know, Melody Beatty is someone who truly understands not just the problems, but also what recovery and prosperity and really the solution is. And as someone who's been a commitment phobe, you know, I was just actually writing about this. Bill Belichick in the book, Education of the Coach, was like every job he ever took, he looked at it as if that was going to be the last job he took. You know, and I can read things and I have read things like who you work with and what you work on is more is, is more important than the money you make. But I think that commitment to yourself, the commitment to a relationship and just trying something, you know, I think when I use that word, it, it um you know, it, it, it lessens my spirit and my spirit really is my inner child and, you know, committing to, yeah, I want a marriage and I want, uh, you know, a healthy sexual relationship and I want, um, you know, a job that I flourish in. And these are things that, you know, you just growing up, you, your wants are not, you know, important or they're subordinate to the main person in the household or the, to the teacher or to all authority figures. And, you know, that question of, I remember when I first talked to my third sponsor and she asked me, what do you, what do I want? That was scary for me. And, you know, it's not, what do you fantasize about? It's what do you want? What do you commitment to, you know, and to take a page from, you know, the, uh, the landmark, uh, forum, I think who I am is the possibility of commitment, creativity, and vitality. And that is who I am. Back to the reading. Wow, she's great. Yet we need never commit before we are ready. Sometimes our fear of commitment is telling us something. We may not want to commit to a particular relationship, purchase, or career. Other times it is a matter of our fears working their way out. Wait. Then wait until the issue becomes cleared. Wow, this is another thing that, you know, sometimes that urge to act on an impulse could just be something to, you know, occupy yourself with or a goal that's really not your own or a goal that is not going to solve everything. And I think waiting for me, you know, the best way that I've found of waiting is to write and not necessarily ask for help. Find out what are the questions that, you know, you want to ask for help for. Sometimes our fear of commitment is telling us something. We may not want to commit to a particular relationship, purchase, or career. Other times, it is a matter of our fears working their way out. Wait. Then wait until the issue becomes clear. Trust yourself. Ask your higher power to remove your fear of commitment. Ask God to remove your blocks to commitment. Ask God for guidance. Ask yourself if you are willing to lose what you will not commit to. Then listen. Quietly. And wait until a decision seems consistently right and comfortable. You know, I think that listening, there are opportunities there. And I think there are spiritual acts, you know, listening to the ideas that come to you after yoga or interval training, a 20-minute walk, 
shower. Uh, I <laughs> do not listen to things that are triggered that the ego wants or triggered by temporary emotions. Um, you know, I heard uh, something earlier today about the 10-10 rule. Uh, you know, t is this decision going to be important in 10 minutes? Or, or like, how would this feel in 10 minutes, 10 years, and 10 months? You know, and the answer will definitely affect the action. And I think that's why it's so important for adult child in, in a reparenting process to really find a written framework that works for them. And it could just be, it could be step 10, it could be Byron Katie. Um, it could be, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, the Big Red Book has a ton of written exercises. And I think sometimes there's that part of, you know, am I committed to living a happy, joyous, and free life and to overcoming the trauma? Am I really committed or am I doing research? You know, and these are tough questions to ask. But even that, that lack of commitment, can t it's not something to shame yourself about. It's just something to ponder. Back to the reading. We need to be able to commit, but we need never commit until we are ready. Trust that you will commit when you want to. God, guide me in making my commitments. Give me the courage to make those that are right for me. The wisdom to not commit to that which does not feel right. And the patience to wait until I know. The next reading is from Melody Beatty language of letting go, and the topic is powerlessness and unmanageability. Willpower is not the key to the way of life we are seeking. Surrender is. I've spent much of my life trying to make people be, do, or feel something they aren't, don't want to do, and choose not to feel. I have made them and myself crazy in that process, said one recovering woman. I spent my childhood trying to make an alcoholic father who didn't love himself be a normal person who loved me. I then married an alcoholic and spent a decade trying to make him stop drunk, drinking. And, you know, I think this is something that, you know, chasing the love or the respect or the approval, you know, people pleasing of emotionally unavailable people, this starts in childhood. And, you know, I think conversely, you know, in that addict and that all or nothing thinking, rejecting those who truly love you, who are always there for you, who are always nice, you know, like, elicits thoughts of suspicion, you know, a girl who truly likes you just for you are. Back to the reading. I've spent years trying to make emotionally, wow, that's what I just said. I've spent years trying to make emotionally unavailable people be emotionally present for me. I've spent even more years trying to make family members who are content, feeling miserable, happy. Okay, I'm really curious to read on because I definitely can relate to that. Uh, you know, particularly with my father, I would say. Back to reading. What I'm saying is this. I've spent much of my life desperately and vainly trying to do the impossible and feeling like a failure when I couldn't. It's been like planting corn and trying to make the seeds grow peas. Won't work. By surrendering to powerlessness, I gain the presence of mind to stop wasting my time and energy, trying to change and control that which I cannot change and control. And that is other people. It gives me the permission to stop trying to do the impossible and focus on what is possible, being who I am, loving myself, feeling what I feel, and doing what I want to do with my life. I'm going to pause here and just say that. Be who I am, love myself, feel what I feel, and this one I love, doing what I want to do in my, with my life. And that's why this program is the most important thing in my life for me, because it's given me the permission to 
really have wants again, you know, and not survival. Back to the passage. In recovery, we learn to stop fighting lions simply because we cannot win. We also learn that the more we are focused on controlling and changing others, the more unmanageable our life becomes. The more we focus on living our own life, the more we have a life to live, and the more manageable our life will become. Today, I will accept powerlessness where I have no power to change things, and I'll allow myself, my life, to become manageable. Man, if I just, wow, wow. Uh, Now to ACA strengthening my recovery, and the topic is Tradition 5. When carrying the ACA message, we stick to our story and to the principles of recovery. We don't proselytize fully, evangelize, or manipulate the person who we are attempting to help. And this, you know, I think the thing about the traditions is this is just a great way of dealing in life, you know, never bully or manipulate. And um, back to the reading. The focus of a single purpose guarantees that we're never going to be distracted by other tempting, glittery objects. We do one thing only. We carry the message to the adult child who still suffers. We may be tempted to run into our communities and raise an ACA banner proclaiming the virtues of the program and the obvious need for the 12 steps to address many social ills. We know there are more people who need the program than those who truly want it. However, Tradition 5 does not require us to convince anyone. Experience has shown us that if a person lacks the willingness to change, they're unlikely to receive the ACA message well. And that's what I really like is like sometimes people will say, oh, what program should I do? And I'm like, I'm not telling you to do anything. I mean, I. I have to focus on my thing, and it's attraction, not promotion. So we carry the message to those adult children who still suffer, and we move forward, living the principles of the program. We do what we can to ensure the meetings are available to all who want them. And we learn to let go of those who don't respond to the message. We humbly realize that each person has a higher power available to them. I've got to repeat that. We humbly realize that each person has a higher power available to them. And I'm starting to believe that that higher power is in all of this which is the only thing that can help find the willingness to hear the message. On this day, I will carry the message in a manner that follows Tradition 5. I will remember, above all, that I carry the message in my daily life through my own recovery. And the final reading also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is Awakening Spirit. In ACA, we carry the awakening of the spirit down to the deepest level where the inner child is paralyzed by fear. When we attended our first ACA meeting, the 12-step language may have intimidated us. What the heck were these people talking about? Was that, was this part of some cult? Was it safe to keep coming here? Could these people really be happy even with all these problems? I mean, I think that last part, you know, even with trauma, is it possible to be happy? I'm starting to believe yes. Back to the reading. As we kept coming back, we learned to explore recovery slowly and start to become an inner loving parent to those wounded parts of ourselves that hurt for longer than long. We found the pain and the shame that was deep within us, but we also found that beneath those things lay a wellspring of life, the energy to carry us through anything and everything. We discovered a path inside ourselves, a path that could lead us home, should we have the courage to follow it. We no longer had to do it alone. On this day, I have faith that by consoling my inner child, I also get closer to my higher power. And that is something that I want to resolve to the group is I really want to do more inner child work because that's how I get closer to my higher power. I mean, those basically that work and step work is how I get closer to a higher power. Um, and for me, personally, for me, meetings are what make me feel better, but maybe not always 
have that spiritual awakening. Anyhow, uh, thank you. These were some really powerful readings for me. Uh, until next time, this is Kawan Saluja reminding myself to feel my feelings, to love myself, to pause, because that's where God is. And really, as was mentioned in the meeting today, commit to what we really want.